Ever since the dawn of time, man has been fascinated with alternate planes of existence. And now, our scientists speculate that a multiverse filled with infinite possibilities lies just beyond our grasp. Welcome to the Multiversal News. My name is Greg Lineweber, and I will be your host. And we will discuss what is fact, fiction, and theory. That which is not real in our universe might very well be real in another. Join us and let the reality of your world be real for us, too. Hello, my name is Greg Leinweber, and this is the Multiversal News. And true to our nature, we have gone and plucked someone outside of the time frame that we're living in right now, and his name is Benjamin Franklin. Uh, we're glad to have him here and to uh, do an interview of this esteemed individual and to uh, get his take on his life and times and how it might reflect with us right now. Uh, how do you do, uh, Benjamin Franklin? Yes. It is a pleasure to have you here. An honor, sir. Believe uh, me, at my age, it's a pleasure to be anywhere. Well, I, ha I have a question for you right off the bat. Uh, do you do much time traveling, or is this the first time? No, I'm very honored to be invited to many of your events of this current time to bring forward from the past some of my perspectives and some of the aspects of people, ideas, and thoughts from, uh, from a while ago. And I've had the pleasure of doing this many dozens of times. Oh, that's great. That's good. That's good. Uh, I hope that uh, when you get pulled into this time zone that uh, uh, our timeline isn't, uh, is, uh, isn't affected by uh, you're being here too much. I mean, I, I hope you. I wouldn't. don't know of any more damage that I can do that <laughs> some of your time is doing to itself. Well, I, I have a question for you right off the bat. Now, um, uh, do you believe in God? Well, of course, sir. The universe is far too complex and works far too smoothly. One could look at a clock on a wall and see all of its intricate gears and deny the existence of the clockmaker. It would make no more sense. I see. Okay. Well, that that certainly uh, seems to make a lot of sense to me. Um, I've also heard that you were uh, were an abolitionist in your time. Well, in my later time, sir, I am not one to hide my mistakes of the past. I was a slave owner, sir, when I was young. It was simply accepted and what was done. I owned a few slaves. I even helped sell them and helped put ads in my papers and uh, to retrieve run runaways. Um, this was the time I thought that as many people of my time did, that uh, the Negroes, as we called them, uh, were incapable of taking care of themselves. They must be raised and, and cared for, and that we were doing them a service. Later, I realized, much to my chagrin, sir, how wrong I was, that the blacks were as capable as any white child of learning, and that they should indeed be free. Okay. Well, then uh, th that brings up another question here. Um, um, okay, well, this is a question I wanted to ask right off the bat. Um, how long did you expect the experiment of the United States government to last, the, the republic? Indeed, we considered it an experiment, sir. And we, General Washington, for example, uh, when asked about this very question, said, perchance, 25 years. Mr. Jefferson put it that every generation or so the Constitution should be ripped up, uh, should be rewritten, uh, keeping the parts that fit the current generation and removing the parts that did not. They were no, were no expectations that the basic framework that we established in 1776 and later, of course, with the Declaration and later with the, uh, with the Confederation articles thereof and with the Constitution that it would last practically unchanged for so many hundreds of years. Yeah. Such a thought was, was beyond our ken. Well, you know, once we get a, a, a once those laws were in place, we just couldn't bring it to ourselves to change them. In fact, it's impossible to change constitutional law at this, at this point without uh, three-quarters of the states agreeing to do so. So it's, that's it, why it's, it's lasting right now. But, however, we are having our problems right now, which I, I'm, I'd be mostly uh, would definitely like to talk about. Now, you uh, have a book right now, Benjamin Franklin Live and in Person. Let's take a good look at this right now. Um, 
Is this, a, is this a something that you've been working with? Well, th this particular item is something that I'm very proud of. Uh, we had the opportunity to, you were asking about coming forward, and I had recently four presentations in one day, and they, one of your videographers, like you were having here, was able to record that, and we have this little, it'll be available on your Amazon.com. Well, it's really great that, that uh, we could have an actual live person here uh, that, to talk about this. It's nice to have you in our time. Well, uh, as much as I believe technology is wonderful, and many of your technologies would have been miracles to us, uh, your storage devices, uh, holding books, an entire library on a device no larger uh, than, than, than a tax stamp, uh, beyond our ken. But uh, really, there's nothing that will ever replace a handshake, a sitting, the joy of sitting and just conversing with somebody live, as we are doing now. I, I think that is something that no technology will ever replace, nor ever should replace. Thank you very much. Now, here's a question that uh, a lot of people have wanted to clear up. Um, did you intend for the new Republic of the United States to be a Christian nation? You mean a state religion, sir, I think. Uh, where it would be an actual formulated and backed religious practice that was ordained by the state. And that, sir, I can categorically say no. Thank you. Uh, uh, it is, uh, we had quite enough of that system with the British rule, and that and monarchy were two of the things that we wanted definitely to have no part of ours. Uh, Mr. Jefferson years later uh, phrased it as the wall of separation. Now, there is no doubt that the country was founded by mostly Christians. There was no doubt that the country was populated by mostly Christians, and most of the sects in the country were of the Christian faith. Indeed, most of the people of Congress were Christians. Uh, but the fact that if we were establishing this country to be a city on a hill, as the early pilgrims put it, no. No, sir. We, uh, religious freedom is much like the uh, freedom of the press or freedom of uh, speech. You do, not, you, do not, you do not have to have a press. You do not have to speak. You do not have to have a religion. And no state, no federal government should be allowed to demand that you practice a faith or that uh, should not practice its principles or establish its laws based because religious doctrine or the rules and order of a religious leader. True, the universal truths of all mankind that are found in almost every religion should be followed. The ideas of respect for one another, tolerance, look at the teachings of Jesus, that we should love our enemies as we love ourselves. What a marvelous concept. I, I think that's a great concept. I've always uh, been a big admirer of uh, Jesus, and I try to follow his uh, more important teachings as, as much as I can. However, I have a, a problem with that because I don't believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. I think that his teachings are, are very important, and I try to follow them, but I don't believe that he's the Son of God. Do you? Well, sir, I do not mean to offend any of, his, of your listeners, but uh, truly uh, we question that. Many of us question that. We, we were, I think the term that you might use today is a deist. We believed in a God. And we believe that, uh, personally, that mankind's duty was to do good to his fellow creatures, and by that, we would please that God. That God was absolutely a, a, a reality, that the world could not exist without it. And certainly my life was blessed by his providence. But whether or not Jesus was divine, well, sir, when my own parents, my own sister asked me this very same question, I was at such an age where I simply said, I should soon die and find out for certain. <laughs> but I was content to wait to that moment to discover the truth. Well, I've always thought that if Jesus was a, a nice guy, that uh, if I didn't believe in his divinity, he'd probably forgive me. I mean, uh, he preached forgiveness. Why not practice it himself? But that's just me. You know, I mean, there's no telling what it's going to be like in the hereafter. I think your, your attitude would not be that strange in my own time, sir. Well, I also understand that you are read a lot of Socrates. Indeed, I tried, although I only had a two-year education, um, formally, I did read widely and deeply. I cannot remember a time when I could not read from the age of three onward. My earliest recollections were with me and, and a book, if I could acquire one or borrow one. It was the essence of the idea that uh, formulated the uh, lending library system, which I am very happy to see that you still practice. Yes, I was, um, was going to ask you about that. But, but the classic education, I did study Greek and Latin for the time that I was in, in public education, as was standard. I understand that you do not do this so much in your schools today, more is a pity. But we studied the classics. We studied Socrates. We studied Locke and Hume. We studied Swift. We studied the Bible, of course, as, uh, as a construct of history. We studied many of the ancient tracts. And as such, we were, I think, informed of the great thinkers, Socrates, Plato, Cicero, 
as well as uh, Shakespeare and Chaucer, and these, uh, and also some of the uh, writers in other languages, in the in the French, and in the Spanish as well. Wow! Yeah, we still study a lot of those same guys right now. We still have them around, but we've got a few other people that uh, we study now, like uh, Einstein. And uh, uh, some of the more modern thinkers of our time. As you should. You should not lock yourself into the past, but do not lock away the oh, past. Oh, we don't. I mean, uh, people like Socrates are the foundation of scientific inquiry. Where would we be without uh, Socrates' uh, uh, empiricism? Uh, he was a great believer that uh, you should pr be able to prove something is true. And this is the bedrock of science right now, so of course... Sir, I'm so glad to hear that you're, you live in yet an enlightened time. Oh, yeah. For example, if you take lightning. Yeah. Now, this is something that... Remember, I was born in 1706. Yeah. Shortly after the Salem witch trials, when people were burned, because uh, some person fell on the floor and shook a finger at them, saying, you have hexed me, and yeah. they would burn them or press them or dunk them until they expired, and... Oddly, their property yeah. within confiscated by... Well, Socrates would have said, oh, no, where's yeah, the proof prove of this? this prove yeah. this. And so lightning, if your house was struck by lightning, sir, we would yeah. let it burn to the ground in the early days. Yeah. We, because obviously God was unhappy with you, you were a sinner, and you deserved to be uh, punished. Yeah. Now, the poor person next to you, if their house caught fire from yours, we would come running with our leather buckets and our hooks and ladders and put out that fire. Wow, because they simply were unfortunate to live next yeah. to you. Now, this is ridiculous. Sir. You are as much good or bad as I am, and you have, and lightning, we determined through the lightning rod and the kite and all that, that lightning was no more different than the rain. If you put a roof over your head to prevent the rain from falling on it, you should have a lightning rod to yeah. place above your head to keep the lightning from, from destroying yeah. your property. This is no more different than hail or snow or of the beating sun. Yeah. That lightning is but a piece of nature, and this, because of the experiments, was proven so that yeah. it was the same as the electricity we were creating in our laboratories. Yeah. And that we could prevent damage the same way that we drew off electricity from those experiments. No difference whatsoever. And so that released mankind a little from its worries that we were the subject of this whimsical god of punishment. Yeah. And indeed, the Enlightenment was, took a step forward at the time. Well, I guess at the time that uh, that would have meant to fit the main mind frame of that time. A mind frame would be how you believe things to be. Well, if, if you take the, the closed-mindedness of, forgive my, my uh, bringing uh, criticism to my hometown of Boston, but before I was born shortly, they were hanging heretics like the Quakers. If you can imagine the Quaker religion, the most peaceful and, and uh, well-run order of, of, of non-violent individuals being destroyed because they're simply their faith, a Christian faith, was not quite the right one. This, this does not make sense to me, sir. Okay, now, perhaps you'd like to talk to us a little bit about um, the Farmer's Almanac, or Poor Richard's Almanac. Poor, yes. Yeah, this is something that you developed. Uh, how, what, how did you get into developing this at, at the early well, age? The, the Almanac, it was a common publication done throughout the colonies, and indeed, even in England and other lands as well. It contains many different uh, items of useful information to the farmers and to the tradesmen as to when the tides were, when uh, seasons would occur, the major holidays, religious and social, and they would be able to then plan their travels. If they're going to a fair 20 miles away or 50 miles away, they might take a week or two of travel to, to achieve. They need to know when that is. It's on the third full moon following the beginning day of spring, let's say. And they need to know when that is. And so these almanacs were oftentimes the most common reading material next to the Bible in, in many lands. And uh, many publishers, many of my uh, competitors, when I started publishing in Philadelphia, also had them. Now what I did with mine is in the gaps that were necessitated uh, by the various lengths of the months and things, I would simply put in proverbs and sayings uh, that I would glean from other people's writings and then rewrite, as I was wont to do, or create some of my own. And then uh, things such as, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned, or um, where there is marriage without love, there shall be love without marriage. Uh, love thy neighbor, but do not tear down thy hedge. Um, fish and visitors stink after three days. <laughs> and these people found amusing. And, they, yeah. and so my... I like that one, yeah. Uh, thank you, and I think possibly still true. And, um, oh, it is. And that this 
proved it efficacious, it proved it uh, profitable and popular. Up to 10,000 of these were produced a year. And starting in 1932, just a few years after I was married uh, by common law to my good wife, Deborah, um, we published that for, over, uh, for many years until about uh, 1752, when I was able to retire, sir. Imagine at only the age in my early 40s, being able to retire from business and let the business continue, run by someone else, and I still receive a hefty portion of the proceeds, enabled me to go into the scientific pursuits that you have recently mentioned. Well, that's not, not uh, unseemly here in, in our time, too. We have people who have a local company called Microsoft that have been able to retire early. Now, another question. Um, I understand that you uh, are involved with some fundraising in our time right now. Well, also in my own time, too. I, yeah. uh, once I had the ability to have become a man of, le of leisure, and yeah. there is a difference between a man of leisure and, and a man of leisure, uh, of laziness. Laziness, yes. Now, I put to my mind to become as best a citizen as I could from my adopted home of Philadelphia. And indeed, the electrical experiments were an element of this. Uh, we did many fundraising schemes at that time. A, a public-private partnerships is how the library company began, how the University of Pennsylvania, as you call it now, began, yeah. the, the first, first free hospital. Uh, the University of Pennsylvania, Which by the way. Which we appreciate, by the way. Thank oh, you. Um, the University of Pennsylvania, the first non-sectarian educational institution of its kind in this country. All others, all others were religiously based. And uh, we hope that these would grow and expand. But um, you know, public-private partnership we found to be very efficacious, a great way of establishing uh, that there was public need, yet using the public resources. But certainly we didn't rely entirely on the government uh, for, for the be benefits of our schemes. Yeah. We realized that the public had to step forward themselves. Now, I don't know in your times if this is still done. But yes, it is. Yes, it is. Excellent. Thank you very much for bringing that up because that's exactly uh, something I would have for the purpose of my own show is uh, sponsors. Like, okay, so uh, in case I haven't mentioned this uh, just now, we do have sponsors for the television show. So I'm able to talk to you because of the good grants and good wishes of uh, the people who are, are sponsoring the show. Most notably would be one, Harris Host. If you need a website, I'm going to go ahead and plug my sponsors Please. right now. Harris Hosts is a sponsor that will give you a genuine, really nice website. Also, another uh, sponsor of mine would be um, a bookstore, Twice Sold Tales. Now, you're thinking to yourself, oh, now, why, oh, why should I uh, support these sponsors? Well, I'll tell you why right now, because if it wasn't for me, you'd be dying of boredom right now. So I'm saving your life by entertaining you. And since because I've just saved your life, well then why don't you do me a favor? Go to my sponsors and get a website with Harris Host. That's just a little favor. A favor I'm asking you since I've saved your life, right? Or would you like to die of boredom? Or I'd like you to also uh, go to Twice Sold Tales and maybe get a book there. Thank you very much. See, that's how I do it. I see. A bit, if, if I may, may give some advice unasked for, which is okay. worth, which is worth its price. Uh, my tendency was to try and look for people's self-interest. Oh, okay. And to, if, for example, Twice Sold Tales, I assume this is a bookstore selling used volumes. Yes. A marvelous idea, and one which I enjoyed tremendously. So you could say Ben Franklin himself as I do, I recommend used bookstores, as I do any good bookstore, but the idea that, that you can purchase a book used when for a little bit of wear, you get the same words and the same thought without having the expense of importing new volumes all the way from London, for example. Exactly right. I couldn't have said it better and myself. So, and education, investment in education is the best investment. For once in here, no one can ever take it away. So yeah. if you can buy two books for a pence rather yeah. than one, you have doubled your potential for education. So use bookstores in, entirely. Absolutely. I have couldn't, my couldn't have said it better. See? Now, but that's yeah. people's self-interest, you see, because they can save a penny, and a penny saved is? A penny earned, see, yes, of course. That still lives with us today, thanks yes. to the, the wise words. Self-interest, well, anyway. sir, will motivate people much more. Well, I, I do try to use uh, motivation <laughs> in that way in, in which you do it. I also try to do it in an entertaining way. Now, of course, when I first look somebody in, in the eye and look at the camera and say, oh, yeah, you, I saved your life for boredom. Well, it's probably true. I mean, there's not much entertainment on a Monday night. I mean, we've got a thousand TVs and, 
And then here they are watching me to begin with, so of course I can say, hey, I am saving these people from boredom. And they may actually die from boredom. Do you think that's possible? Well, maybe not. Not in my time, sir. We were very much on our own as far as entertainment. It was uh, <laughs> expected if you came to my house, for example, yeah. that I might ask you for a story or a song, yeah. news from your region, for example. And indeed, that's when I was very young, yeah. how I was able to uh, gain an appreciation for the world. My father was, would invite travelers to our house. And as poor and simple as we were, he had enough extra food and maybe a little drink to offer them for, that they would tell their tales of where they'd been of tales of England, oh, maybe as far away as China. So the nightly I, news. Of a sort. And that they would also be expected to give a tale or a song, which I have done oftentimes. I play the penny whistle, the harp, the guitar, and uh, the yeah. musical instrument that I invented, the glass harmonica. I could simply you know, tell a tale or a story or a joke and would certainly enjoy that. And that is how we entertained ourselves. So if you were bored, sir, it was because yeah. you weren't thinking. <laughs> and so, but, but, Touché, you uh, got me. But, but, still, um, but still, people today are, need guidance, and they have the opportunities. It's marvelous what we would have given for your simple email. Yeah. And certainly this type of communication is, is far beyond our uh, ability to hope for. But if we had, imagine a, uh, your teleconference with Congress would have been so much handier. When I was an ambassador in France, yeah, yeah. Um, when I wrote a letter of instruction, requesting instruction from Congress, it could take three, six to nine months yeah. to receive an answer back. Imagine trying to do business on a new nation, trying oh, yeah, to form at war with one of the greatest powers on earth, yeah, that's, and that's having a, to wait nine months for response. That's one of the big advantages to, to indeed, what, indeed. how we do things nowadays. We immediately know whether or not our higher-ups uh, want to do something. In fact, sometimes we have to manufacture our own uh, uh, signal problems in order to do something uh, on our own, to, to have a little initiative, to take a little initiative. We have to pretend like the phones are down or something. Which we can do. I see, I see. Well, uh, life is for the living and how you choose to deal with that. <laughs> but I, I can tell you that we would have, we would have given quite a deal for you. the most ancient technology of yeah. your time would have been a blessing to us. Well, how would you have dealt with uh, some of the people in the court if you'd had more direct communications? Like, of course, now you were dealing with people like, uh, uh, let's see, who was it that, I'm trying to look at my notes right quick here. Um... The French cabinet, you had to deal with Count de Virginis. Virgin. Yeah. Well, uh, how would you like to have had Congress looking over your shoulder while you were trying to talk this guy into doing this? Would it have helped or would it have hurt? With Congress looking over my shoulder, they did not really help with Adams there looking over my shoulder. Uh, he did not appreciate the delicacies of French courtesy, especially yeah. in their aristocracy and in their governance. Um, and he was, uh, I think... Uh, well, he was very John Bull, uh, which is an expression we use for the English term of uh, very direct, uh -huh. uh, very uh, without courtesies. And the French are very delicate people, not so much in constitution, but in their manners. Yeah. And propriety and uh, exquisite uh, elements of manners are very important to them. And one must um, flirt, one must uh, flatter, one must... Um, write poems of love. An uh, example of the differences between Mr. Mr. Adams and myself is that when I learned French, uh, to perfect it as crudely as I did, I wrote love letters oh. to the, my various lady friends in France. Uh -huh. And when Mr. Adams learned French, he studied French funeral orations, <laughs> which, because they were in French, uh, were very lovely. But oh, he boy. would make studies, long studies of, um, of French uh, conjugated verbs, etc. And I simply went for the heart of it. And I asked for corrections of many of my little pieces. And uh, Madame Brion and uh, Madame Hilversius, uh, two uh, lovely ladies who I was very fond of, uh -huh. um, would oftentimes say, oh, Mr. Franklin, we could, of course, correct this, but your, your language is so much more direct, so much less flowery, that we find them to be very, very charming, much oh. more to the, uh, de la corps, to the heart of the matter. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, then let me ask you a question now. There have been plenty of rumors of scandal in France that uh, you may have uh, had a liaison with a lady or two in, in France. Did this actually happen? Did you uh, sow the uh, American oats in, in France, so to speak? Sir, if I think I understand you, that is quite an improper question. But let me assure you on a couple of points. For my country, I sacrificed much. Uh -huh. And for my time in France, although Mr. Adams and Mrs. Adams, when she was there, did not regard my conduct at all proper and thinking that I was there more for lechery 
than for uh, the services of the country. Yeah, okay. Or, or for personal services as opposed to the American, uh, being in the American service. I can assure you on many points uh, that there is nothing of evidence remaining other than the rumors which were spread because you must understand what the French re uh, regarded as 70 some, some odd old man being able to quote unquote seduce a young mistress uh, would put me into a better light, you see. I and see, so yeah. the rumors were encouraged and spread. But sir, I was over 70. Yeah. I had the gout. Okay. If you've ever known anybody with gout, movement of any sort is quite painful. I had pleurisy, a disease of the blood. I had scaly skin and many other conditions, including the fact that I didn't exercise. I was quite a sportsman in my youth. A real so that, mood killer then. But, but I, I, I hate to put this, but you should really take rumors like that with a grain of salt, Peter. I do, but I, I, I figured I might as well ask the question since the rumors were there. Uh, well, now let's get on to another question. Um, I was uh, interested in the Albany plan. Yes. The Albany plan. Did, uh, you, this was a plan that you yourself brought forth before the... Uh, I the, and, 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 and others. We, we yeah. were told to go to, the, to Albany, New York and introduce a plan for common union. Not, not barely a confederation, and certainly not a federal union like what eventually was going to be developed, uh -huh. but really a, a, a common plan for defense that we, the sovereign colonies, not states, the sovereign colonies of Great Britain, would band together for mutual defense and, and commerce. Yeah. And this seemed to make sense. I was called a blockhead for my trouble. But if we figured if the savages of the... Uh, that's the term that we use. I hope I, again, do not offend... It could mean listeners. something else in this time. I'm not sure what, it, what the historical reference yeah, is. But, but, but the, what we call the savages, the, Ur the Iroquois Confederation could, could manage a confederation amongst themselves. And certainly we civilized, enlightened people could, should be able to do this. Yeah. It was turned down and rejected. Yeah, well, um, I, I heard that the, this was uh, the the plan, the plan itself, the Albany plan was a precursor to what we have now. Yeah, well, 20 years later, we had the declaration, and eventually, a few years after that, when I was in France, they finally developed the Articles of Confederation, the very yeah. loosened, which worked as long as there was a common threat of the British takeover yeah. coming back in. But once the peace treaty was signed in, in, uh, in 1783. Um, then really without that common threat, it began to break up. And certainly there is some question if we did not become a federal government, that, um, that indeed the United States would d disintegrate yeah. and, be, and fall prey to uh, the other countries picking us off one by one. And therefore the, the devil's compromise that we had to accept to make the federal government established in the constitutional convention, which I was a member of. Okay, now here's a question concerning the uh, formation of the country. Uh, it's been rumored that uh, you were looking over Thomas Jefferson's shoulder when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. Is this true? Did you? Uh well, not not so much figuratively, but he did ask Mr. Mr. Adams and myself and the other members of the Declaration Committee to review his work that he had constructed, and we did make a few suggestions, uh, not as much as Congress did. Uh, Congress fully removed a quarter of the Declaration. Mr. Jefferson was none too pleased yeah. over that. <laughs> uh, he felt like he was having his appendix removed with uh, um, the entire, uh, it's a, a crude example. I know the feeling. But a very painful editing process. And yeah. in fact, he had printed up the Declaration the way that he had worded it and had that in his offices at Monticello, his, his estates, uh, that he could re refer to. And it was one of the great glories of his life. He had, he had three major aspects of his life which he held in great esteem, which was, one was the Declaration of Independence, being the author of that. One was the founding of the University of Virginia. Uh -huh. And one was the, uh, the author of the Universal Declaration of Rights and Religion. That's not quite the right title, but he wrote it, I did not. Um, and those were his three founding, founding and most important uh, aspects of his life. He did not yeah. even count being president as one of them, as I understand he became after, yeah. after my death. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was uh, but but, but yeah. to, to your question, sir, excuse the digression. That's fine. Um, uh, there were a few comments we made. For example, Mr. Jefferson wrote, we hold these truths to be sacred and undeniable. Yeah. That all men are created people. Fine sentiment. I suggested and wrote in my little comments that he sh might consider we hold these truths to be. Yeah. Can you fill it in? Yeah, oh, uh, to be self-evident. To be self-evident. Yeah, yeah, so you know that expression now. And I felt it was shorter. It also makes it iambic pentameter, as yeah. in Shakespeare wrote, a very flowing method for the English language yeah, to... Uh, it's not quite as pushy as the way... 
Yeah, so it does not bring in the element of uh, possible misinterpretation of bringing in a deity, sacred, yeah. you see. We wanted that separation. Yeah, that's it. Well, I appreciate that too because you know, as much as I, I am interested in the idea of a deity, I also am interested in how people go along and conduct their affairs without a, a deity necessarily being there. I think there's a question. I mean, God, if he is there, doesn't like to advertise himself very much. He likes this to, depends uh, on the religion, and one of the beauties of the Enlightenment is the tolerance aspect. And where if a person, I and I, I attended many preachings in, yeah. in, in my life, and uh, <laughs> many, uh, those that preach the gospel and its usefulness towards good works, I found great interest in. Not just to exhort us to do good because it is in the Bible, but to do good because it is good, and that is why it is in yeah, the Bible. Some of these guys were your best friends, like uh, there's a, a number of noted uh, preachers of your Indeed, time indeed. Were, um, some of them became tedious, and I ended my correspondence with them and my support of them directly. But um, that it is beautiful that they can exist and that they can have their belief. Whether or not they should have the authority to punish me for not sharing that belief is an element which I do not agree with. And I think that that is why the Constitution is framed as it is. Um, that is why, as I understand it, the Bill of Rights was put in so this could be understood. Um, yeah. This actually, though, it, it, you know, that Congress did take this into consideration. consideration. Going back to your early question about a Christian nation, um, if you look at, art, I believe it's Article 11 uh -huh. of, the, uh, of the Treaty with uh, the Barbary uh, yeah. Nation, it says, and this is after my time, but I, I, yeah. but I know something of it. You will notice it states explicitly, explicitly, sir, by an act of Congress, that this is not a Christian, not a Christian nation. Country. Well, I wish more people would remember that and think about that, but, you know, the argument goes back and forth. Those yeah, people it, who are bound and determined to view this as a Christian religion will look for any excuse they can now, to prop up their argument. It may be simply true that you are a nation of Christians. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and their religion is as sacred as any other, and they must be allowed to practice it as they see fit. But yep. there is simply, as Mr. Jefferson later said, a separation, yep. and that the government must make the ability of that to be free. They must allow no laws to interfere with that. Yep. But we cannot have a state religion. Well, I think any, anybody with a lick of common sense can understand there's a big difference between a nation of Christians than a Christian nation. There's Indeed. a big, huge difference there. But, you know... There's, nowadays it seems like to me that a lot of uh, people who uh, are proponents of Christianity are do their very best to argue in ways that have no common sense whatsoever. And I, I don't know why, but that's their, well, their prerogative, I guess. We, we, you should study, as, as you have, the Socratic <laughs> method, not only of scientific inquiry, but of scientific examination. Now, yeah, oh, I, I used to be an yes, argumenter. Sir. I would bully my opponents down until they agreed with me. I found much more service in the Socratic method of questions. And so rather than stating in a direct matter, you should not believe in this, or you should not even believe that whatever it is about what religion is... is, is well, here's a good question for you. If you believe this is true, now I have another question to ask you in light of that. And I've, I've done this with my brother, who's a born-again Christian, and... Uh, Sometimes, uh, well, he's a strong believer of the faith, so we've had our rows of uh, argument about this. And I tried to use the Socratic method with him, too. Uh, doesn't always work, but uh, it's a good basis for a good conversation, I guess. Well, the, if that's, you've hit it, sir. The conversation, it is in the discussion that truth may be discovered. And it is in the discussion and the fair and open mind that each listener has. This is, what, this is essential in a republic. Yeah, that absolutely. Both sides can be adamantly for their position. But when in a reasonable republic, I bring, them up, I bring up my position, you bring up yours, and we find a collaborative middle road that can serve both of our needs. And if, even if you're in the minority, my majority may rule, but I will consider your opinion. Yeah. And a government that does not allow that, where one party must thoroughly try and destroy the other's ideas, no matter their the, the merit, simply because it is from the other side of your aisle, then that, sir, I submit, may not be well positioned to consider itself a republic. And I would never want to be in a position where I was forcing my opinion onto someone else. I mean, as much as I would disbelieve what another person says, I'm pretty much like uh, Thomas Jefferson feels. Uh, if it, uh, it doesn't... Uh, 
pick my pocket or break my leg for somebody on the other side of the mountain to believe that this is a Christian nation if they wish to do so. Well, that's perfectly fine with me. Or that there should be a steel in every backyard, or that, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> there, there, is, there is, sir, room for collaboration in all things. And I find that, really, as despite my m many years of learning, my many years of education, I have found myself oftentimes in the wrong, that I should doubt a little bit of my own infallibility. Yeah. And regard with faith that our two best ideas together will be better than any idea that I may create on my own. Okay, I wanted to ask you about the 13 virtues. Uh, yes. This is something that you wrote about. Is this Temperance, something... silence, order, resolution. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can list them all here if you'd like, so but of course you know what they are. Uh, these are 13, uh, you can go onto the internet and anybody can, and can find out about these 13 virtues if they'll just do a little research on it. But uh, what, what was your uh, purpose for listing these 13 virtues? My, my purpose there was absolutely personal. This was not something, I was not writing what you would call a, a self-help book for others to oh, buy. Okay. These were my own guidelines, which I recommend anyone to uh, write down their, their own, uh, their own personal guidelines for personal development and growth. And then uh, what I found is that I tried to achieve all 13 of these principles, uh, temperance, silence, order, resolution, frugality, industry, etc., and tried to achieve all these virtues at once, and it was a complete failure. And so I made a little chart where I wrote one week, that I would strive for temperance. The next week I would, trive, I would strive for silence, uh, to not utter things without need or purpose, to never babble on um, order, that everything should have its, in, in a place and everything should be in that place, etc. And that I would strive, that this way I could go through a, an entire grouping in uh, three times a year. And gradually, by, by measure by measure, I would improve my moral standing with myself. Again, not to have this over anyone else, but simply to be uh, improving my, my own nature. For I found myself at the time of the original writing of this to be fairly aimless. I had lived myself now into my late teens, early 20s, and I had not really accomplished much of anything. I had no savings. I had no uh, set business to uh, keep myself and any potential family. And that was rather, I found that rather upsetting. Yeah. And so these principles were a guideline for myself of what I wanted to achieve. Now, you have your New Year's resolutions now. Oh, yes. And, where, and this is somewhat the same idea. This is what I want to accomplish. And that people should, I believe, I, think, I find it certainly efficacious for myself, try and do these things and set up your own system. And if any of my suggestions then or now may be of use to you, simply make use of them, sir. Certainly. No royalties involved. Certainly. Okay. Um. Okay, now, uh, I understand that, uh, well, uh, here's a question for you. Why would you teach others to raise money with no recompense to yourself? Well, there were times when expenses must be paid, but many times, for example, I, I suggested in the, in, the, uh, in the Congress that our elected officials serve without pay, that they should not be doing service to the country um, for remuneration, that they... Um, should be able to support themselves. It was counter-argued that this would only allow the elite, the wealthy, to serve, yeah. and that people who were not as well off would and not be able to. And also, as what happens a lot today, uh, people will serve, and then uh, if they pass some law to favor some corporation, would get a big, huge bonus and gift as soon as they uh, quit and got uh, This would be untenable, so this, yeah. would be, this is bribery, n nothing more. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, although, of course, uh, I was a great practitioner of nepotism. I hired my own relatives to fill all the offices that I could, as, for example, in the post office. Uh, truth, sir, must, must come out here. Yeah. Um, but it was not so frowned upon in, in the day. But, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, that one should give freely of oneself, especially when we're talking about the patent. So it wasn't costing me anything to be able to have other people make lightning rods and sell them. They were getting paid for their recompense, as they should. I certainly got paid for my printing. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a, my time, it was my effort, and my industry that produced my books, uh, my, my almanacs, etc. And I should be able to make a decent profit to maintain my house. Yeah, you and did, did it from the almanacs, but you didn't get any, uh, you never uh, 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 got a patent for your lightning rod. No, no, no I did not. Now, mind you, though, I did, reach, I did achieve greater fame because of that work. And so I was paid in that way, and people got to know my name and wanted to buy my almanacs. Yeah. You see, sir, how one feeds upon the other. Well, you, uh, that one's, yeah. See, one's character, sir. Yeah. It's not something one has here. You have a piece of my character, sir. I do. It is you fact, who hold yeah. 
me with, in whatever regard that you have. And it is that which builds my character. So the more people who think fondly of me, my character improves. Well, that's true. I, I, I do think fondly of you. I, I hadn't really considered it, but it's, it's uh, yes, I do. I, th I think you're, you're a good guy. And I thought that with your approach, your non-self-serving uh, approach really does a lot for your character. Yeah. Well, now mind you, in full disclosure, I, I cannot have it be said that I did not serve myself. For example, if I got the, um, if I, once I became into the assembly, uh -huh. uh, then I was able to be known as a printer even more, and eventually I got the business of being the printer for the assembly. Uh -huh. And so I was creating my own business. When I set out my printers to be able to uh, set up other printing offices in, in different towns, then they bought their printing supplies from me. And so yeah. in addition to getting their share of business, I also got profit from that. So I was by, by no means of, uh, against having a, a profit. But certainly, if I could lend a hand where it did not cost me much, yeah. and to, it could improve the general well-being of the community, that was a good investment of, on my own part. Yeah, I, I, I understand that you put a lot more work into the uh, Poor Richard's Almanac than you did, say, for instance, in coming up with a lightning rod. Lightning rod is, is not something that required a whole lot of effort. It was mostly theory, and again, sharing that knowledge, bringing in other people's studies. And so it really was a collaborative effort, which is how I most enjoyed working. Oh, so, okay. Well, that's interesting. The lightning rod seems like a straightforward type of invention. It didn't seem like you would need a lot of collaboration. For well, you, the collaboration was in understanding the physics, as you would call it, yeah. of electricity, how it flowed, and the nature of electricity itself. And for this, I read extensively of other people's research into the electrical fluid. And yeah. it was simply the lightning rod experiment with the kite was yeah. simply a way of testing to see if lightning was electricity. And once we established it was, then it would follow the same principles and the lightning rod would work. Well, you know, I should apologize for that because um, I thought to myself, well, anybody should be able to understand electricity. But I, I guess that since I wasn't there back then, it wasn't easy enough for I can myself make the uh, connection that uh, uh, thunder is electricity. But at the time, since it was something that we didn't understand, yeah. uh, therefore, I guess uh, I, I'm well within my... You know, you are well within your rights to have taken a very slow and steady approach to unraveling well, as, as you were talking about the Socratic method of scientific discovery, one needed to establish certain realities and understandings and then base experiments on long-time discussion and peer review. This yeah. is also very important. And then make your, your hypothesis and then seek to prove your hypothesis. Uh, this will probably be no surprise to you, but in our present day, they still don't understand it. They've, they've long searched for a theory of everything. Then uh, the more we discover, the more questions are. And that is excellent, sir. It's a good question yeah. that can inspire a good answer. For example, yeah. what is the best government we can have? What is the best way of printing? Well, I think we're going to be out of time right now. No, no. We just had to take a break because Ben wanted us to remind him about 20 minutes into the show. Thank you, sir. It's been a little, a little longer than 20 minutes. It's been an awesome discussion going on. Lots of people in the chat room are loving having you in the studio right now. Great show going on. But uh, we do have a, a couple questions from the chat room, but we wanted to give you your time that you had requested earlier. Chat room? This sounds like a, like, like a coffee house or something. Yes, it sir. is something just like a coffee house. Uh, we have a number of people that get online from all over the world and Exciting. get together and discuss ideas. And while they're watching you on the show, uh, and definitely talk, and uh, a few questions are out there. Please, um, please. We did I, want to take your 20 minutes. You, you mentioned that you uh, wanted to take some time uh, within the show. Uh, did you still want to do oh, that? Please, uh, bring in these questions from okay, we'll bring in a couple from, from 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 your all means, let me so. take a break. So, yeah. so uh, one of the first questions coming from the chat room is, what is your take uh, and, and how do you feel about being placed on the $100 bill? I, I do know of this now. This would be uh, quite surprising. I, I, I do not know why I would be on your 100 and a man of great es esteem as General Washington would be placed on the one. But that is perchance, I'm assuming, is yeah. an honor. Now, yeah. we specifically did not put people's faces on the colonial money, or especially the early United States money. We put items of nature. Uh, we had quite enough of people's faces from our, from our king and yeah. uh, the royalty. We felt that was too much like... Uh, that and so we, we would not have done that. So um, we, I do not understand why why I was chosen chosen for such a large denomination. Maybe because no one would ever see one, <laughs> and you wouldn't have to look at this face uh, every day. But, um, but no, I, I, I'm afraid I can't give a good answer. It was not certainly a decision that we made. 
um, and it's some, something I had no input on whatsoever. But I, I will assume, as uh, as best I may, that it may be a piece of uh, of honor that. Yeah. Uh, that, that is trying to be extended to me, and of which it, it I, was, I thank you. It was much. intended to be that way, but as uh, what you understand all too well, inflation has taken its daily toll. The one-dollar bill isn't what it used to be, and people are using hundred-dollar bills more often because that's. Uh, well, if yeah. if it's if your inflation is as bad as ours was during the war, I, I pity you, sir. An entire room full of money would have been reduced to almost no worth whatsoever of. of the expression, I believe, still stands. It's not worth a colonial. Well, uh, we don't have that. It wasn't that bad. Our inflation rate has seemed kind of bad. Some people got upset about it, but uh, it's been actually pretty stable over time. See, you, if yeah. you can learn from our mistakes, sir, we are happy. Well, let me give you an idea of what our inflation rate is like right now. You know, what it costs to get a loaf of bread now is about a dollar or about two dollars pretty much close to what a pence was like back in your time. I see. Still a lot. Yeah. Of course, now with a dollar, you can also, uh, for like 20 bucks, you can get a cell phone. I, I have no way of relating that to your time, of course. I, I, I'm sorry. I cannot help you there. <laughs> so, were, were there other questions from your... Um, yeah, the chat room. Chat room. Absolutely. One question is uh, daylight savings. Um, that's what you call it now. I have sometimes been, as I understand it, accredited with the creation of daylight savings time. Uh, what I, it was a humorous piece that I put forward in France that, uh, because so many of them stayed up through the night mm -hmm. um, with their parties and salons and, things, and they burned millions of livres, the uh, French uh, currency at the time, in candles that have seen, I, I wrote a somewhat satirical piece saying uh, that I had once stayed up all night and realized that as the sun came up, at dawn, it grew lighter. And this was astounding. I, in the article I was writing, that, uh, who, who would, would have possibly guessed that such was possible? And that uh, if people were to simply arrange the day where they got up with the light, they could simply save millions of livres in this. And so people began to take it, as I suppose, to mean that we simply adjust our day to where we change our clocks to ma match that of the sun after a certain amount of time. Well, I think, think you're... bring you here and while I'm here talking to you right this I want to tell you that you should support our sponsors we're here providing this wonderful entertainment for you so why don't you like click on the Harris host and uh, find out if you think three dollars and ninety five cents is good enough to have your website paid for for a month now that's a really good deal you should give them a chance and also check out half price books if you want to you can get dollar uh, books that are really cheaply they're used and they're wonderful Thank you. I just want to throw that in there. I would like to mention, too, a thank you to one of my sponsors, which is Hardwick & Sons. If you're familiar with them, one of the best hardware stores in your universe. That would be fantastic, of course. Check out Hardwick & Sons. I'm, I'm with you 100% there. Excellent. Now, did, did you have any questions that you wish to ask of the presenter, or did you? an apprentice yourself later youth uh, earlier okay okay later you as uh, you were an apprentice to your um, elder brother. brother James yes yeah now um, you actually uh, broke your apprenticeship with him and fled to Philadelphia is this true uh, I'm sorry yes I had articles of, of indebtedness to him and uh, about the age of 12 yeah. and it was going to last until I was 21 uh -huh. a longer time than normal but the last few two years are supposed to be given journeyman wages. My brother was abusive, I think it would oh, be the term okay. that you would have now, and he beat me often. Now, oftentimes I think I deserved it, for I was a very uh, cheeky young boy. 
but I soon outstripped him in both skill and speed for the printing trade. And I was a better writer than he was. And, uh, but it so happened that he rubbed the government of Boston the wrong way, and he was um, thrown into prison. And it was so uh, put enacted into law that James Franklin could not present or print or publish the New England Courant, his uh, paper, anymore. And so when he was out, it was decided that he would simply put me in the masthead as editor. And so we had to end the articles of indenturedness publicly, because if I was simply his servant, his, uh, his apprentice, then anything I did would be underneath his authority. Yeah. And so we ended them officially and then rewrote them um, privately. But he couldn't bring those out for fear of recrimination. Oh, I, the see, I see. Just as I used that, that he could not actually force me to adhere to those. And I ended up running away. I had a friend of mine uh, put forth to a ship's captain that I'd gotten a naughty girl with child and that I needed to leave uh, Boston quickly and without much fanfare. And so he substantiated rumor. Indeed. Yeah. And so I went to New York first and then eventually, because of recommendation there, uh, went to Philadelphia and uh, found work as a printer there under one Keimer. Okay, well that seems fair. I mean, if somebody was beating me right now, I don't think I'd want to hang uh, around. It, well, now I'm glad to hear that you have other avenues. This is not something that I recommend to any yeah. young people out there. If you're having trouble at home, do not run away. You have avenues of safety. Follow those through your local, through your school, uh, any uh, clergy or a member of, of religion uh, or for the local police. But please, do not try running away. I, it is what I did. I do not recommend it in your world. Well, how old were you when you did this? I was about 17, sir. 17? Okay. Well, that's a lot of difference between the age of 17 now and, say, 17, 18. Every chance then, yes. Then. Uh, people grew and up the world was much different then. Uh, yeah. I, there were dangers, but not uh, quite so many people, percentage of the population, willing to prey upon the young. Well, I, I didn't. I, it was a, a young episode in your life. Uh, you were young, and I, I of course, that's not something that... Uh, I wanted to dwell on for very long because uh, you, there's a lot of other things that you've done in your, your lifetime. Do we have any more questions? Okay. All right. Um, it says uh, that, that your original quote for a penny saved, a penny earned was actually a penny saved is two pence dear. Is this true? I, I rephrased my quotes many times. I, I said, uh, beer is oh. proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. <laughs> when I got to France, I changed it to wine is proof that God loves us and wants okay. us to be happy. So I re-edited and, and republished several of my quotes, and this is, this is evidently just one of them. They um, changed over time. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it still means the same thing. Two pence here. If I can set, stop from spending a penny, if I, for example, rather than buying a loaf of bread, if I can have a, a loaf of bread baked, it's much cheaper. And therefore, I have saved a penny, which means that not only have I not spent that one, or I have kept from, I have kept from also spending another. And so, uh, you know, and that actually I have reduced the cost to myself, not yeah. only a pence, but saved even more by making it in my own kitchen, or of course my wife or my, yeah. my servant, uh, pretense, making it. And so I have actually made two pence. Okay. So that's okay. why two, did, two pence did. So we've got like about six minutes left? Okay, good. Well, then I've, I've got uh, a few more questions to ask. I'm going to try to, to stay relevant here. Now, here's a question that uh, you probably don't get asked very often. It, I, I studied your earlier history, and in the 1750s, um, you were a... Uh, no, no, no. Wait, not the 1750s. I was actually thinking of... Uh, the, you started a party called the Anti-Propriatory Party in Pennsylvania. And uh, you were struggling against the, the, the uh, relatives of the Penn family uh, in, in Pennsylvania. What was, what was that like? I, I don't recall it being called the anti-Penn party unless it was some sort of a... It's a, a quote. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's not exactly, I think, the way that you would look at it. Okay. Um, understandably, quite the same thing. Uh, I did not really like the idea of parties. But certainly, um, we, what our intent was, uh, was to take Pennsylvania from the ruling Penn family. It was a proprietary um, governance, a, a colony. There were royal colonies and proprietary. They were basically a business venture. William Penn was a great man. He outlined yeah. what Philadelphia would look like. He had a very a religiously tolerant attitude. It was meant to be a home for Quakers and people of other sects as well. Um, if the Grand Mufti of the Mohammedans would come to Pennsylvania, uh, they should be welcomed and allowed to speak of their religion as well. And not only that, open up a bakery if they wanted to. It, it's as, as, as best. Or a print shop. Indeed. Yeah. They, they could certainly do that, and we, they should be tolerated as much as all. Um, but uh, the, his sons were not 
as gracious. Um, they believed that Pennsylvania was there to reap them profits and nothing else. They, would, they refused to pay any taxes on their lands. And part of my work as an agent, I suppose, of this anti-Penn party, which would be a, 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 an in-joke, in I think it would call it, yeah. um, uh, went there and discussed with them, trying to, uh, by Socratic reasoning, get them to see our side of the issue and the, uh, the need of them to pay for some of the, the costs of having the, the, the colony run. And indeed, we, we yeah. put forth that it, Pennsylvania should be removed from the pens and given to the king. Yeah. Remember, I was a loyal British citizen for most of my life. Yeah. Uh, up until from... This is pre-revolutionary. Yes, exactly. From 1706 to 1776. 70 yeah. years. Yeah. I was a loyal British citizen in love with my king, in love with England. Yeah. And, I, and when they would not see reason, when they spurned me, it was like being spurned by a woman that you loved. I turned very sour to them. And it was really that is what caused me to become an American, was their judicial system blaming everything upon me, hammering me in their court, in their cockpit, as it was called. Lord Wedderburn was in charge of that particular time, accusing me to be the ill of all America's troubles. And they transformed me, sir, from a British citizen to an American. Yeah, yeah. And there, sir, was my end of dealing with the pens by peace and where we needed to take up arms and take our country, our land, for ourselves. Yeah, that's uh, as part of the uh, process of becoming an American was uh, having to deal with the, the British crown in that, in that way. Well, that's all very interesting. Uh, do we have any more questions from the chat room? Uh, not this time. Okay, all right. Well, um, I understand that at the time that... Uh, when you were fighting against the, the Penn family that uh, you lost one of the next elections that, that came up. Yes, um, they uh, was turned out of the legislature, but it was right it, it was right after that. It was a close vote, but the Penn faction was very heavy and it was a, able to prevent me from reachieving my seat in the legislature of Pennsylvania. But it was right after then that they decided that they needed an agent in England to uh -huh. argue with the pens directly, and that's when I was elected to that post. Ah, I see. I and see. so I left yet again the shores so, of America. Yeah, one door closes, another one opens. Very well said, sir. Very well said. Didn't you uh, come up with that uh, I may have. statement? <laughs> there was a great many. Well, there's a number of ones. Now, I haven't touched on, on one uh, issue of the day, which was, of course, a big one at your time, which was slavery. Um, now. I, I don't know what exactly, actually, I do know what your, your views on slavery were, but why don't you go ahead and discuss that with us at this point. Well, as I mentioned earlier, sir, I must be fully disclosed that I was a slave owner. I accepted the practice thoroughly, as, in, as certainly as you have, a, you need gardens to eat, yeah. you need shelter for your, your, your head, you need a companionship, and yeah. you need slaves, that, that, and they needed us. It was later in my life that a good Quaker uh, took me to a school for blacks where I learned and saw empirically that they were as capable of self-governance and education of learning as any white child. Yeah, there were black people who were educated at the time. Oh, that's, of course. Well known were. for their... But there were also laws in many colonies preventing education of the blacks. Yeah. And, but it was thought, and this, this may cause a, a bit of shock to some of your listeners, that in my time, even those of us with enlightened views and the desire to see all the blacks freed, yeah. that we did not, many of us did not think that there would ever be a time that the black nation and the white nation would ever be one. Yeah. That we, that once freed, every black would have to be removed either to the west, repatriated back to their countries, or given a new land. Yeah. And that is how Liberia was began, as I understand it. Yeah. But it is something that I had to agree to, to make the, to make the Constitution agreed. We needed the South to join with us at yeah. the time. But one of my last public letters that I wrote was a plea to Congress, Congress to take up the issue of slavery again, which, as you, if you will read your Constitution, is in the Constitution that slavery will not be discussed for 20 some odd years. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't and know it is in your Constitution, as it still stands, that slavery will not be taken up as a legal aspect. Well, it did, it did get discussed in our country. We uh, took it up as a question, and we uh, had a nice long five-year conversation 6, about it. 600,000 people paid with the cost of their lives yeah. for an issue that we could not solve. I am oftentimes presented with a question of that it must be God's providence that they had those men at that time, and, and that it is truly certain that this is a direct 
input. And I say to them, sir, that is very complimentary, but if you want those same men back today, would you be willing to take them with their slaves? Yeah. Uh, and the question becomes a little bit more tenuous. Yeah, obviously not. We, we wouldn't want to go back down exactly. that road again. We were men of our times. We had the sins of our times, which we passed on to our children, which unfortunately is the right of every generation to pass on to the children. Here, these are our problems. Fix them. We still have sins of our time that we're dealing exactly. with Exactly. Right My They're, only recommendation yeah. of you is to make your future generations' lives better than your own, and you should be answering that, that issue. And if your next generation's time is expected to be worse than yours, then, sir, I think you have some questions to answer as to why. Yes, we do have some questions to ask. And we will take up those questions when the time is right for do it. There will be future episodes of the Multiversal News, and we will discuss these issues and past issues again. But as we are almost out of time right now, I, I thought it would be a good idea to go ahead and... Uh, Say to you one more time that we do um, have um, sponsors for our show. And our sponsors make this show possible that, that, that you're enjoying right now. So please give Harris Post and Twice Sold Tales an opportunity to uh, save you some money. They're there for you. They're doing this for your benefit as well as mine. Thank you, Ben. Personal self-interest. Yes. That's a serve your self-interest. Excellent. As my own sponsor, www.ehardwicks.com does as as well, yes, uh, keep that in mind. Um, and uh, we would love to uh, see this uh, this uh, uh, DVD put out. It will uh, be available this summer.